Okay, she'll put it closer to me. I'm going to be doing all the talking. <laughs> this is Federico Ugi, drummer and producer. And what you just heard is the voice of Paul Blay from the recording of a conversation I with Paul about 20 years ago. And this new podcast is very much inspired by that conversation. It's a series of interviews with musicians and interesting people from New York City and from around the world. And the first conversation in this series is uh, with the uh, amazing drummer Don McKenzie. Don will be playing the Forward Festival next week on December 5th with uh, guitarist Anka Davis. The Forward Festival celebrates the 5th edition this year and we're proud to say that and it's happening on December 5th at Union Pool and December 6th at Shapeshifter Lab in Brooklyn. Uh, what's the name of this area? What do you call it? Fulton Street? This is uh, Fort Green, Clinton Hills. Fort Green. So I'm here with Donald Sturgey Anthony McKenzie II, a.k.a. Don McKenzie. Yeah. Drummer <laughs> and uh, visionary. Yeah. Artist, political artist, which I appreciate. Um, Donald, what, how did you get started with this insane business of playing music? <laughs> well, it's a big question, man. Um, my parents always uh, had musical instruments. You know, um, uh, for me, you know, like I, I had my fr I had first thing I got was like a one of those toy drum sets mm. from Sears. I think, and I think I destroyed it in a day. You know, it couldn't didn't last. So then I, th my parents tried to get me to um, play guitar, and guitar just didn't agree with me. It took a year of lessons or something. It was, it was like torture. How old were you? When you started taking lessons, guitar lessons, I think I must have been maybe five. Okay. Your parents musicians? Any any? No, they no, play no. just music lovers. Yeah, just music lovers. So they wanted you to play, but they didn't play with you. Necessarily. Yeah, I, I think I think now they regret it. <laughs> they wanted me to play so much, but no, they, they didn't play. My dad had a very was like a they call an audiophile. He just. Had tons of records. What kind of stuff? You know, like yeah. a lot of reggae because they're a family from Jamaica, West mm -hmm. Indies. What kind of reggae? Uh, a lot of Bob Marley, a lot of um, Gregory, Gregory Isaacs, and um, Peter Tosh. Tons By of toots? Yeah, Toots, Toots and the Beatles. Yeah, my dad had. A tremendous collection of records, and you also had a lot of P funk too, a lot of R and B. Like remember these the eight a lot of disco. Remember this was the eighties to the mic. My dad had some of these original records from um, from that uh, from Rick Rubin that he went and bought when Rick Rubin was selling records out of uh, the shop at NYU, out of his uh, dorm. Yeah, my dad just. I remember a lot of uh, going through his collection, always just playing... Vinyl? Always yeah, playing vinyl. vinyl, yeah. Then he had the reel-to-reel, -reel, so he had stuff on reel-to-reel. -reel. Then he had uh, 
eight tracks, eight track. Mm-hmm. Remember the eight track? Of course. And uh, cassettes, a lot of cassettes, a lot of eight tracks. And your mom, how she feels about music? Uh, my mom. This is what they tell me. They, um, my mom, her godfather is uh, uh, Duke Reed from Studio One. Mm. So when she used to get up, I mean, leave school. She would go to the studio, Studio One, wow. in Jamaica, and wait and wait for my grandfather or my grandmother to pick them up. So my 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 uncle and my mom, I mean, they they'd go right there and just they would just listen to the musicians all day, and then just just hang there every day for years and years. And then when my grandmother got off, because my grandmother had a little hair salon, when she got off, where in Jamaica? Uh, Kingston. So when my grandmother got off from work, you know, from doing hair, she would go pick her, pick up my mom and my uncle from uh, Studio One. Can you imagine that? <laughs> so that my, so my, I mean, you know, my uncle, very strong influence on me regarding music. He, he always used to come to every show, you know, Beacon Theater with Vernon. He used to come to any small show I had, which is. You know, he died not too long ago, but um, it was, uh, he was just very, very supportive. Always trying to tell me what to listen to. So like to, gu- to, guidance. Yeah, to play better, listen to this, so you need to do this, you know. Always in a very positive way, very, very um, uplifting way. And he, he also had no filter. I think uh, Vernon still remembers my uncle at the Beacon Theater. We were opening up for um, Santana. We had like a few dates, the uh, continuous dates, either Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Vernon's still, my uncle's upstairs and, and, and he's smoking weed and it, it sit the Santana band and then, you know, Carlos and, you know, and Carlos said, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> so my uncle, no filter, man, no filter. My uncle was just like, which is something that I respect the older I get a uh, person that could just which is what I, what I try to do through my, through my music and, and and with my political activism just just call it like it is you know and my uncle was totally like that no airs no uh, no bullshit you know so how old were your parents when they moved to, to the states hmm I think it was a must have been a year before my um, my sister was born my sister was born in 72 okay, right. so yeah uh, oh yeah so you guys are the same age my sister was born September 18th 1972 she just had a birthday the other day like yeah yeah, yeah. so September 18th 1972 so they probably got here 71 okay and uh, I I don't know I got you got somebody has to do the math my no. dad is 70. My dad is 72. So they moved here doing, doing To what? Brooklyn. Yeah, but how, I mean, like, what, what were they doing? They, they arrived. No, well, I no. think... They had, like, something, like... My grandmother was here already. Set up. They already had a place and no, work and stuff. No, everything the, set up. No, no, it was, uh, it was a little difficult in, in the beginning. I think they had a... The first apartment was on St. John's Place. Okay. And, uh, oh, man, I... You know, they were, you know, hand-to-mouth in the beginning, you know. You know, we come first circle when I'm now, now I'm hand-to-mouth. 
so so and I don't know when that's going to end you know I was watching this there was an interview with uh Ornette Coleman and uh Ornette Coleman said something about uh sort of about him uh, you know not ever having any money he's like you know He's like, oh man, well, I don't know. But, you know, can you imagine just like a genius? And he's like. He's, he's, he went through that uh -huh. at some point because he refused to. Compromise. Put. People might think it's virtuous to have to struggle like that and, and barter and bargain and, and fight for this. And, and it shouldn't have to be like that. You know what I mean? So, but. How, should it, how should it be? I mean, tell me what you would be. Would be not for you personally, but in general, what do you think it would be like a, a fair and good, positive um, system for art and, and, and music specifically? Well, well, how, how should it be? Well, the whole... It has to be a, a radical paradigm shift in, in humanity because right now the capitalist system is... Just in the words, you have to capitalize on someone, somewhere. Right now, right now, America capitalizes on the global south. So there's nothing here. That, and on Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Americans. Yeah, that's America true. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Capitalize on Americans. On Americans, I mean, but, but, Americans but, but, are very, are not really well treated. That's the thing. That's, absolutely. I, I hope. Because, I, it, because you, know, you, I, you think with all the capital, capitalization and, and the and the theft of resources all, all across the globe, yeah. the people here would be good. No. But no, not even that. The, the, the people here are struggling but because all the resources, the, the wealth from the resources that we steal yeah. go to just a few at the top. But it's important so. to say this because coming for me, coming from Europe, mm -hmm. a lot of Europeans, a lot of people from outside the state, they imagine this fantasy land, Hollywood, yeah. a beautiful place, maybe unfair, but and crazy beautiful place where everybody's driving Cadillacs and, uh, and you know so it's important I hope so, someone from from Europe from, from from outside the States is listening to this because this is basically the idea of this podcast uh -huh. I mean uh, that I had is like always uh, trying to show it's uh, not like a guide more than a guide to where New York is just to have a little bit of, of, of uh, clarity of you know what it means to be a musician in New York I yeah. mean, because you know it's very glorified and everything everybody thinks it's cool but also it's hard right extremely difficult and yeah. it, any especially if you have integrity and you're trying to do something that's um, that's not run of the mill uh, I remember Cecil didn't buy his house until he was 54 hmm. imagine that you know what I mean Cecil was playing doing his thing just around the corner right? yeah the one uh, 135 4 green place right around the corner uh, didn't buy it till he was 54 and he paid a hundred and fifty thousand for that house and now the house is worth three million dollars but but you know he had to win a bunch of awards to get the down payment and, and then to pay that mortgage so the, th the thing about it is that Cecil Cecil lived for majority of his, his career on a six-floor walk-up cold water flat in the city six-floor walk-up Six floor walk up and it was cold water, and I think everybody shared the shower and all that stuff. But, but, you know, so and Cecil was uncompromising in his in his in his worldview and in his uh, in 
the output that he wanted to uh, that that he wanted to present the world. You know, so it's you know you, you spent you guys spent time together, right? You yeah, know, yeah. To I lived there. Right? I lived there for two years. I lived with Cecil for two years. And, yeah, and you know he showed me a lot of things, and he just just one of a kind. Just just dealing with him, uh, you know, on, on 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 how to be a man, you know, how to be an artist, and really and really mean it, really put out, really put out meaningful art. Art, art, art that art that uh, has integrity, you know, because Cecil could play like anybody. Cecil, Cecil, he could do the Red Garland, he could do Be- you know, the Bach, Beethoven, he could do. But he said, "I'm going to do this," and the whole music world had to come to him. You know what I mean? Because he didn't, he didn't, he didn't go and say, "Oh man, well, Bill Evans is is hot right now. Let me go try to sound like Bill Evans," or. Uh, Man, chick, chick is chick. Career is hot. Let me sound like chick. You know, he st- he he had integrity, and, and that's and that was that's very important. And so 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 every American propaganda is so strong that it has everybody everybody in the world thinking thinking that this is utopia. No, and, I mean. I get, I get, I got, often I get asked, you know, I've been, you know, I moved, to, I moved to New York 20 years ago and by now people say, oh, you know, I'm going to New York, I'm thinking about going to New York. Let me ask Federico what it's like, you know, because they, they think it's easy here. They think, you know, you come here and everything is going to be, you know, no, easier. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In fact, I wouldn't even come to New York. Do you think New York is relevant? That's something that I ask often to... Relevant. To, like right now, is Paseo is still like... like uh, for uh, uh, Some people call it the, the cultural, you know, center of the world or cultural center of the states. Do you think it's still like that or is Paseo? I think... I don't think New York is relevant. It's too expensive. It's too... It's too... Um, I mean, it, it, there's... You, you could drown out here. If you're not, if you're trying to do something original, mm. you know, it's very, very difficult. I think the only, I think the reason I'm still here is because of the two kids. You know, if I, if not, I would, I would have went to Germany. I would have went to. Uh, I remember I did a show in Finland with Vernon Reed, and I just walked around. I was like, oh wow, this is really nice. But you know, but it's not. I mean, Finland. I mean. But I'm sure it's cool. I've been I, I, I've been to Helsinki. It's a beautiful place. But I mean, this is you know pros and cons. I mean, New York is a great place to create music. There's still a lot of artists here. So you think it's most pros or cons? You know what I mean? What more more cons right now? I mean, I mean, when you say there's still a lot of artists here, if you if you're a really great leader, you could groom groom your band to sound the way you want them to sound. Mm. Groom, especially if you're doing improvisational music. You, you hear you you go out you hear certain things and you say you know it's like you're making a you're making a broth you know you're making a soup let, let, let me take this let me put that let me put that and you say that. you can say you can do that anywhere you don't have to be here for you that. you don't have to, to be here for that but yeah. you here my kids yeah, just, yeah come on it's not just you I mean there's a lot still a lot of yeah but I'm here I'm here but 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 really I would not be here if okay. it wasn't for the kids I would not be in New York 
it was with the kids and, and maybe my, my parents are still are still alive and uh, you know they're getting up in age they don't, you know so you know it, there's there is uh, I, the, the art and society has a greater value overseas you know I, I mean but still still, but still, still, still still in a still as a black man on the on a planet there's uh you're marginalized all over so so you might think you okay you're gonna get the same treatment as as like like uh, uh, as uh, 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 I was watching a show uh, about the Dutch or something some something ah oh, man and they and they're making laws to restrict immigration yes so yeah, you so everywhere, you, everywhere in the world yeah Europe is getting really because but they're not they're not looking at the root problem. If you go to a country and you steal their natural resources, or just destroy, devastate, devastate a country, and and you and you strangle them, the country economically, then the people are going to leave. Oh, where they're going to go? They're going to run run to where you are. So, 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 so there's no. Yeah, I, I don't have this idealistic view like wherever I'm going to go, I'm going to be appreciated. I'm still a black man, unapologetically. So and and I'm and 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 I have to deal with that mm. uh, uh, living in a world uh, run by non-blacks. You know, every country is controlled by the IMF. So 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 uh, I talk to Will Calhoun all the time, and Will and uh, Will Will the drummer for Living Color every day. So so Will is Will is you know say, oh man go to Ghana. We, we should go here and I said I said name one country in Africa out of the uh, I think it's 54 countries in Africa uh, name, name one that's not controlled by the IMF so you, it, you, you're still gonna be controlled economically there's no and, and, and the two and few countries that are not controlled by the IMF okay. America spending time trying to destroy them Venezuela, Cuba. No, no, no. I agree with you entirely. Just let's 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 uh, fantasize for a second. Okay. And just imagine, in New York, yeah. what could be changed, like you know, pragmatically, realistically, like not realistically. Let's be let's be let's be you know romantic for a second okay. and think about okay. Right now, in New York City, let's say 2019 in in 20 years, how the city should should be not how it's gonna first it's thing. gonna it's gonna it's gonna be in 20 years but how you would like to be uh -huh. in 20 years like well, what would you change right away first thing I would change was stop hiring police okay that's it just stop freeze that freeze that and um, that, that's it that, you know, that's a that's a fundamental change that would impact impact how um, marginalized and vulnerable people feel about themselves because you know it, uh, in New York especially the police are there to protect and set, be the buffer between the people with property and capital and the people without property and capital hmm. so when you when right now there's this big campaign to, uh, they just hired, what, how many thousands of new cops? The big campaign to stop people from jumping the turnstile. 
The turn the turnstile is two seventy five, right? So right now you're trying to criminalize poverty. All those new cops they just hired to stop people from jumping the turnstile for two seventy five, they could have just made the turnstile free. But they would rather not do that. They'd rather criminalize poverty. So you get in the system. You get in the. the you, 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 now you got a little thing. The first, the first time, the first time poor black and brown people in America interact with the police is when they get on the public transportation, and 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 and, and that has a that leaves a scar. So that's the first thing I would do. Stop, stop, stop that. Stop it. You know what I mean? Public transportation should be free. Mm. It's already already subsidized by the taxes. So make that free. So at least people can get around and not feel insecure about moving around. What do you, self, what do you see yourself doing next? I mean, you're going to go into the studio with uh, Oncut Davis to do a, some duets. We have a couple of things and a couple of set pieces. You play in the, you play in the Forward Festival with Don, right? Yes. Yes, I am playing at ah, the Forward yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us Onca about it. Oncut Davis, he is a creative genius. Daniel Carter loves always talks about on uh, on wow. is just oh man he's a lovely guy and he's just amazing musician amazing creative person and he's always up at night some sometimes sometimes we'll be at uh you, we have a we share a studio in in Brooklyn oh yeah yeah admin Bushwick I didn't know that yeah so sometimes yeah we'll we'll get together we'll, we'll be at the studio till um But he lives in the Lower East Side, right? Yeah, he lives. Uh, he lives across the street from Elliot and John Zorn and Anthony Coleman. I used to. I used to have a rehearsal, uh, share a rehearsal studio on East Third Street mm -hmm. and First Avenue, and I remember meeting on every day. You like kidding? Always in the street. Really? Always in the street. Well, well, on, you know, on is a, on. Those guys uh, squatted, you know, and then they got the building. So I think. All, all like that whole little block, Elliot's building, and uh, which is, has Zorn Coleman, and across the street has On. These guys squatted in the building and fixed it up. I think eventually uh, the city gave it to them or something. I think they. I don't know. I think some people work? managed to buy buy the building buy the, the the apartments for very cheap because the city give them a break basically like they yeah. so they got sold it for like uh i don't know a few thousand dollars like maybe five thousand six thousand dollars yeah something that. Is that, it was a program i think i know all the people all the musicians in the lower east side that did that yeah well man it's you see stuff like that doesn't happen anymore in, in new york which is why i think a lot of the musicians out here And the artists are, are out here are just not, they're not, they, they come from a certain class system, right? C certainly people that move to New York now, yeah, they, 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 they are they, people that are not really adventurous, like penniless artists. Yes. They, uh, yes. they usually have it yeah, uh, so, pretty good. Yeah, right? so, so, so uh, and I, I talk about this too with Carl Hancock Rucks, the singer, and I, and I talk about this stuff with, uh, and, 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 with uh, Renee Cox who uh, a famous artist I, I scored her one of her pieces you know photographer she if you, if you if all the artists are coming out of Yale 
and Princeton. And I'm talking about the fine arts and visual arts. They're all coming out of Yale, Princeton. All of these guys, they're all clicked up. And, they, and they're getting the MacArthur this, and they're, they're coming out of... They, this, you're getting a sanitized creative s- system because they all inhabit this certain class. It is sanitized. So, I like, so, I like so, the, with so, the fact so, that you use sanitized. Yes. That's the right adjective. I mean, I mean, I mean, I listen to some guys that like. There's a. I, I don't want to name names, but there's a couple guys I know that they won the MacArthur. They're musicians. They're now teaching at Harvard. Professor this and this and the you know, and and I go and you see them and you hear them. And they sound like gentrification. They sound like what gentrification would sound like. They, 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 big salaries at all the universities. They're great players, but they just, they don't have that thing, that grit. Hmm. And so it's polished, a sheen to it that's, that that's not like a, it's not a, it's not a weathered polish like you know, from this from. From uh, from the sun and just rainwater, just smoothed it out like a rock. You know, it's a polish. It came out. It came out the. It came out the water polish. You know what I mean? As opposed to a rock that's just been beat up and circular, and it's now smooth and flat. That was the first part of the conversation with Don McKenzie. The second part will be published in the upcoming weeks. Please stay tuned. And don't forget that the Forward Festival is next week. Don will be playing with Anka Davis on December 5th at Union Pool. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you there.